then for some reason that joke's the highlight of the service each week. I'm going to kind of go downhill from here. Well, Labor Day Sunday, it's good to see who the Christians are. Congratulations. Uh, you're all here. Uh, you know, I'm sure they're okay. Well, here we are. Okay, we're camping it out at home. Please, staycation, right? And including church along the way. That's great. Well, September's upon us. Fall is here. A nice, uh, cool 96 degrees today will help you mind fall is coming. Um, unfortunately, this whole week is going to be, well, we'll endure. Um, last week, uh, we remember we had that lesson of the lady, the woman who has been over, and he was healed on the Sabbath. And again, um, what's curious is that the kind of the, the passage that right precedes our passage, we're going to start with Luke kind of 14, verses 7 through 14. In the beginning of Luke 14, uh, 1 through 6, uh, there's a man who has been called dropsy. And again, the issue, he heals on the Sabbath. And have any of you ever um, had a lesson been taught to you in life that you had to learn from? And then very quickly, a new opportunity to show if you learned that lesson had occurred. Okay, copy, okay? Um, when the mom says, don't steal a cookie from the cookie jar. Okay. Then like 20 minutes later, you man, I want that one more cookie. Or for some of you, and this will not pertain to all of you, you ever gotten a speeding ticket? And the officer pulls you over, and a half an hour later, you're on your way, and you're like, well, how fast should I go? <laughs> yeah. Some of you, uh, some lessons just keep on giving you life, because we learn from our lessons. Well, what's great about this story is you remember, in, uh, we talked about Luke 5 and Luke 6, and last week in Luke uh, 13, um, the Pharisees and Sadducees kept getting pretty hostile to Jesus about healing on the Sabbath. And by the way, remember, the Sabbath, again, we said, is not about um, being lazy or like slothful, right? A Sabbath is the time we devote ourselves to God. We say, God, we give you this time in honor of all that we do. Um, and as Jesus kind of said uh, in our different passages, he said, the Sabbath was made for humanity, not humans for the Sabbath. And why wouldn't we heal? So the very next passage, we have this notion of this, uh, this guy with dropsy, and it's the Sabbath, and he heals them. And this is great. In um, chapter 14, verse 4, it says, the leaders were silent as Jesus healed. So they maybe weren't happy, but they learned not to speak up because they learned what was going to go on here. Um, I'm not sure if we were to ask, I was a part of a, um, I attended a funeral yesterday of a great uh, lay person in college church. Actually, it's the um, father-in-law to our president, Joel Pearsall, um, a Don Moritz. I'm not sure if you know Don. He's been around the Nampa for a long time. Great person. So as you do, you tell stories about family, and it's always fun because you all look so normal here. But then when you, have, when you die, we tell all those awkward stories about you. So, and your, your family knows them all, by the way, right? Probably most of them. And so they've got to tell these great traditions. Um, and when you go to the funeral, you think about, well, like, you know, when someone dies, what do we say about our family or about this person? If you were to look at my family as a whole, and broadly speaking, we do three things pretty well. In fact, we're really good at them. Um, and it's probably in this order. Uh, we eat well. Uh, we laugh well and love Jesus. Hopefully Jesus gets caught up in there somewhere. Um, but we are good at eating and laughing, and often together, which is always exciting. Um, meals are a great time, aren't they? I, I, um, meals are a great time not only if you enjoy food, 
but this presence of kind of um, sitting down with one another. That's why the meal last week was so great, uh, the ability to, to break bread. Thanks for those who helped prepare that. Um, I've noticed, though, uh, if you traveled to Europe before, um, uh, Americans and Europeans don't eat meals the same. And I noticed this as I went to Europe. Uh, those of you who've been over there know what I'm talking about, about meals in particular. Um, what I noticed for Americans is when we sit down, we're typically focused and like we're ready to go, right? Well, in Europe, like a meal is a two or three hour affair. In America, it's like 20 minutes, like where's my check? Hello, we're done here. Um, but in Europe, they're like taking their time. Uh, they sit and they hang out with one, they talk with one another. And not that we can't do that here as well, but it was curious as Americans who were there, and we had a good dinner. It was like 40 minutes. And they're like, are you in a hurry? Is something a problem? And so I've learned that, that Europeans have learned, I um, mean, a cultural thing, at least in, you know, in Paris and I'd say in, in London, that folks were taking their time. They weren't in a hurry. And what they saw is the value of really sitting and being with one another. Um, one of the things that we've learned with the uh, blessings of our little demons of the, the cell phone, um, one of the new lessons we've learned is that putting all the cell phones away, right, to be present to one another. Um, but meals can be very important for lots of things. Um, those of you who've dated before can know how awkward those first dates can be. Um, occasionally, they're only a first date and done, which is helpful, right, because you don't go further on, <laughs> Uh, sometimes dates can progress, and it can be great to build up relationships. Occasionally, um, you have a meal to break up a relationship. Um, often, you have meals to uh, reconcile, or you have meals to catch up. Um, meals are really an important thing. They're not just simply about getting nutrients in us. Uh, it's more than that, although nutrients help that function. But it is important that meals are about relationship building, and I think it's so so fun and crucial to think about this. Um, have you ever been to a meal that was pretty formal that had like kind of place settings? Right? And even like the pretty formal? Um, I know like we have, we have weddings and weddings and some of those weddings you have like a, like a little meal. They'll put, you know, place cards around because they don't want the awkward relative sitting next to the wrong awkward relative, right? We don't want like tensions to explode. Not Bert and Ethel. That will not work. They were angry in 62. And it didn't, okay. Um, don't get it together. Bert and Ethel. Um, uh, sometimes there can be great uh, plans to make. I've never been to like an official, like a state dinner or a presidential dinner. Like those are, there, there's no, nothing left to chance. It's all planned out. It's all organized very carefully. Kind of one of the coolest meals I was ever privileged to participate in was actually in Oxford, England. Um, I've been to a couple conferences there. Um, and it, it was Christ Church. And so in Oxford, I didn't know this, there were like, I don't know, 30 little colleges. That actually, there's not really, really an Oxford University. They're all the universities, the 30 colleges together. And one of the bigger ones, the most historic ones, was Christ Church, where actually John and Charles Wesley attended. Um, for those of you who have been a part of the Harry Potter world, um, the Great Hall was actually um, based on their um, kind of Great Hall. And so at the end of our week of conference, um, we had this kind of really formal, cool meal. There was a head table, like all little candles. And it was kind of, you know, they had place settings there. Um, it was a time where you felt very honored. Um, and there's not, it's like my, my daughter, who has great gifts of this, and we have a Thanksgiving meal um, or any big meal. She'll make little place settings for us and to know you're included. Um, but you also sit where you're supposed to sit, right? There are rules about this. Um, sometimes when we were growing up, there was the adult table 
There was the kids' table. Now, some of you maybe who moved to the adult table wish you could be at the kids' table, or maybe not, I don't know. Um, one of my colleagues told this story last year. Um, she's a 38. Uh, she's the youngest of her siblings, and she's not married. And so they put her last year at the kids' table, uh, which she didn't like, you know. Uh, she wanted to elevate up. It's like, no, you you know, get married. That was kind of awkward. I don't know. Uh, don't get married. It was there. That was, anyway, I'll, I'll leave that alone. Um, what I know is about Jesus is Jesus was a good Nazarene. You know how I know that? He was always eating, right? Uh, he was going to a meal, coming from a meal. Meals are, like, you think about all the meals in the Gospel of Luke and all the Gospels, those aren't just little accidental things. Many transformative things happen in those meals. And in fact, I would suggest to you, we celebrated the Lord's Supper of Eucharist last week. We often think that only one meal was Eucharistic. But I think actually the church is telling us many of those meals are kind of Eucharist. When you hear in, the, in any kind of in a, in a meal, when they take, bless, break, and give, those kind of four action verbs, and in fact, one of the clearest ones is the feeding of 5,000 when they have the loaves and the fish. Um, the church is telling us these meals are a Eucharistic meal. Um, and Jesus' meals, by being Eucharistic, only mean that when Jesus was there at a meal, something dynamic was going to happen. Um, it invited folks into transformation. And so pay attention to all the meals and the, the ways those happen uh, in our life. Our passage today is going to be about honor and about humility. Um, one of the things I also have learned in my life is the invitation to be humble. And where does my joy and pride uh, come from? So I invite you, as you're able to stand, um, we're going to read from Luke in chapter 14. I'll read from the Common English Bible. I am going to read verse 1 and then 7 through um, 14. Again, this is Luke 14. I'm reading the Common English Bible um, about on the Sabbath. And it goes forward about this meal they have. <clears throat> one Sabbath when Jesus went to share a meal in the home of one of the leaders of the Pharisees, they were watching him closely. Now verse 7. When Jesus, when Jesus noticed how the guests sought out the best seats at the table, he told them a parable. When someone invites you to a wedding celebration, don't take your seat in the place of honor. Someone more highly regarded than you could have been invited by your host. The host who invited both of you will come by and say to you, give your seat to this other person embarrassed, you will take your seat at the kids' table. No, it's the least important place. That's what she has a translation, trust me. It's in Greek, I'm sure. Instead, when you receive an invitation, go and sit at the least important place. When your host approaches you, he will say, friend, move up here to a better seat. Then you'll be honored in the presence by all your fellow guests. For, big idea here, all who lift themselves up will be brought low, and those who make themselves low will be lifted up. Then Jesus said to the person who invited him, When you host a lunch or a dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they'll invite you in return, and that will be your reward. Instead, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you'll be blessed because they can't repay you. Instead, you will be repaid when the just are resurrected. Here's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Um, so we have kind of Jesus' rules for eating. Um, one of the things we notice here is the danger of going and presuming too much. 
one of the things, and I'm sure my kid, my son gets this from my wife. My son's very confident. And often when he goes in places, he's pretty sure, um, you know, like whenever he takes a test, I always do well, Dad. And so most times he does. Um, he, he never... He never has a hard time feeling like he's not going to make it. He feels confident in those things. And, that, and I think self-confidence is good. But occasionally that self-confidence can lead over to a little bit of pride. Again, his mother has a terrible problem with this. Um, <laughs> it's not recorded, right? We're not turning this part off. I'm cutting that from the web. Uh, no. And being confident is a good thing. But in our household, working on humility is a great blessing, is an important thing. Um, what we know is this. There are some times in our life, and this is the important idea you've been paying attention from all of Luke 12 forward. This is really the one big idea. If you want to sleep through the rest, that's fine. Here's the big idea. Um, if you want to be a disciple, don't find your value in the way the world finds their value. Go all the way back. Don't think you're going to be important because you have a lot of money. Remember that guy with the big storehouses? Don't think you're important because you're with important people. Don't think you're important by all the things that you have, your job, your title, your possessions. You will find importance and value by first knowing that God loves you and God desires to honor you. I know that sounds very churchous and Sunday schoolish. I remember telling about the youth pastor, my kids, I know it's hard. You want kids to like you, and that is a good thing. But one of the ways to mature and grow up and have a happier life is to find your identity and self-assurance um, and joy coming from God. Again, it's okay to be liked by other people. That's not a bad thing. But people are weird. Look around. <laughs> and look in the mirror. They're weird too, right? People can let you down. Um, but the key is that, it, what does it mean that you find your value, your worth, coming from God's love? Because when you can do that, then you don't try to kind of manufacture kind of places of, of uh, pride or, or value or worth. Um, some of you might pay attention. It was about, I don't know, two or three, four years ago. There was this couple. I don't remember their name. I didn't Google it. Um, but they were known as professional party crashers. Uh, in fact, they, they found themselves, suddenly they got into a state dinner in the White House. It was quite the scandal. They kind of looked themselves in there. Um, Jesus is saying, don't be the buffoons who crash into a party and don't belong and are exposed, right, for not being there. Um, don't be more presumptuous, because how awful would it be to be at the head table, and they say, yeah, you don't belong here. Go to the kids' table. But rather, go to the low seat, and then someone can raise you up. Now, we have to put a pause here. Um, is Jesus then saying, hey, I know what you should do to parties. Go have a fake humility. Oh, I belong over here. And someone will, oh, you don't belong here. I'll raise you up. You see, again, they're always crafty people, right? None of you, but other people, right? You say, I know what I'll do so people will notice me. I'll, I'll have a fake humility. I'll pretend that I, you know, don't belong over there. That's not what we're saying here. Um, but he's saying true humility and honor will come from God. It says, don't be presumptuous, but let your honor and glory come from God. 
Many of you know the great saint now, Mother Teresa, um, who lived in Calcutta and did, his work, did her work among the leper community. One of the things um, she was often embarrassed about was all the attention she was giving, and she tried to always turn it into those who she needed help with. It's amazing how someone like Mother Teresa found great joy, which come in a few moments, in loving those who were unlovable. One of the things we also notice in social media, um, the teens might know this, called the humble brag. You know what that is? Oh, it was such a joy to go to Africa to build wells for all these poor people. Now, it's okay to go to Africa and build a well, but you know what I'm saying. You kind of tell folks the great service you had done, so you get all those, oh, well, you're a wonderful person for going to Africa and building a well. So you see, we kind of tell folks these things to kind of show off our, you know, now again, it's okay to tell what's going on in your life, but what are the motivations? When I go on social media, or post on something, or tell, what's my motivation for telling this? Those of you who are old, which is about maybe two-thirds of you, um, I know the movie Indiana Jones and uh, the Last Crusade. Right, you know that movie? One of my favorite movies. Right, eight of you know it. Right, the rest of you, um, okay, we'll figure it out later. He's on the quest for the Holy Grail, right, with Sean Connery, one of my favorite Indiana Jones movies. Uh, they're in this quest, and they go... And they finally meet this knight who's 800 years old. Yeah, it's a movie. It's fine. It's Spielberg. What are you going to do? Um, but they have all these kind of grails there. Supposedly, to like drink from the Holy Grail means you'll live forever as long as you don't go 10 feet, which is part of the weird part of the rule. Um, but there's, there's people there. But he asked the question, for whose glory do you seek the grail? For God's or for yours? Even in our service and humility, whose glory are we seeking? Even as a very simple idea, well, I'll be humble. Also, humble myself. Folks will tell me, boy, you're really humble. Again, the danger even in being humble is the ways in which those things, our motivations are, I serve to be noticed. I'll be humble, and so I'll be noticed. The key is to be humble and recognize that honor comes from God, whether you're seen or not seen. Now, I'm not saying you can't post a picture from your trip to Africa about building a well. But think carefully about your motivation. Um, Why do I want to tell folks that I went to Africa to build a well? So they'll think better of me? So be careful in all of that. The other thing, too, here is to be careful of this humility thing of also becoming the doormat. There are some of you, perhaps 10% or less, are predisposed in a kind of unhealthy way to kind of being the doormat, always looking to serve in a way that you're never actually taking care of yourself, right? Um, and so that's, I mean, Christ is not saying that. We're not to be run over by everyone in the world. Um, we're not to be overlooked. We're, we're not to be let ourselves be treated poorly. So that's the, humility, it's always extremes here and there. Um, but humility is a crucial way to find life. But we, we have this kind of main idea that those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who are humbled will be exalted. Those who don't seek the glory will often find it from God. But those who seek the glory, it's all the rewards they're going to get. One of the stories that Jesus tells, I hate, I hate several of the stories. One of them I hate is the story of the workers in the field. Remember that story um, where Jesus goes out to the parable again of this guy who had, I don't know, they were picking potatoes or they were picking apples, whatever. Some, they were picking something. 
and he goes out to the, the place to find some workers, and they came up at the beginning of the day and worked on some workers. Those guys were working, and he wanted more. So he comes back three and four times. comes back at the end of the day, like the, the, the last hour, and they, and they pick for one hour. And then they go, and they ring the bell, whatever they do. Uh, they say, okay, now you're all going to get, um, you know, paid. Well, they had promised the workers at the beginning of the day a full denarius or some kind of amount of money. Um, and so Jesus started paying the folks who started working last first. And so he paid them at the, ninth, the last hour a denarius. The folks who were working at the beginning of the day thought, this is going to be awesome. We're going to get more than we, we would hope for. But then as he kept paying everybody else, he paid everybody the same. That's not just. That's not fair. And those who were at the beginning of the day said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Those folks worked one hour were the same as we did. In Jesus, well, Jesus, the, the owner said, didn't I promise you one denarius? Why are you angry at my generosity towards others? I hate that story. <laughs> Lazy millennials. No, millennials are great. They're awesome. Uh, work, come on. Work ethic, right? Jesus says, my honor and glory is for my timetable. You can be humble by taking care of yourself. Don't rely upon the glory and honor that comes from humanity. Um, don't let my generosity toward others. Remember again, when we noticed these healing that Christ was doing, sometimes when others receive this miracle of healing, we're not happy because it hasn't come to us like it came to come to others. So that's the invitation there is what does it mean to really be humbled as we go forward? Well, then he switches gears. He goes from those who um, attend a party to those who are going to host a party. Now, this is where Jesus gets really awkward. He says, essentially, to the host, you can't invite people over whom you like. Well, that's not true. You can't invite over the family, brothers or sisters, or your rich neighbors whoever they are. Now, you got to be careful. Jesus is not saying you can never invite your family over. But he said this, if you do that, that's fine. They might invite you back, and that's kind of all the honor you're going to get is right there. It's all subsumed right there. But he said what you can also do, it's not either or, but when do you invite over those in your community who are marginalized, who don't have a place to go on Thanksgiving? who are perhaps more awkward, for whom there's no one to care for them. Jesus says, to be a disciple, we're going to have a different kind of meal structure. Oftentimes, on some meals, right, inviting over your boss. So your boss, he or she, will like give you a promotion someday. Our, our meals, sometimes meals are motivated by external means. But rather, invite someone to your house whom can't help you climb any of that world's kind of power, prestige, you know, ladder. But invite folks over, perhaps have no place to go. And then be careful how we understand that. He said, you'll be blessed by them. And again, we have to walk, watch out for patronizing compassion. Does that make sense? Watch out that you don't go serve the poor by thinking, boy, how great I am for serving the poor. Here's what Jesus says. By having those folks around you, and he lists them in four categories of don't, four categories of do, he said, they will be a blessing to you right there. Um, I was a youth pastor in Kansas City, 
and we often went on mission trips. Um, one of those we went on was to Mexico. Um, it's exciting to drive from Kansas City to Roswell, New Mexico in one day. It was a long day. We drive to Juarez, El Paso, and now Juarez is really unsafe, so we probably couldn't go anymore. But these kids, they had a wide swath, mostly middle-class kids. Um, but then, of course, you realize that all of us are rich compared to the place we went to in Mexico. We kind of think, well, aren't we a great person? Give me a week of my summer to go build these homes in Mexico. And what the kids learn, we try to prepare them for this, is to be in Mexico to build and meet these people. That was the blessing. While these folks appreciated the home we were building, we built these, you know, they were probably 20 by 30 foot homes on concrete. It was really, it's really a great thing. They realized that the folks who were there were probably a larger blessing to us than we were to them. See, here's the thing we have to be careful about. We can't think that Christ wants us to love the poor and the lepers and the marginalized because we're just doing great charity work. But he says to be with them is actually also to be in the presence of Jesus. Remember that story from Matthew 25? Whatever you did to one of the least of these, brothers or sisters, you've done unto me. We love and care for the other because that itself is reward of being with those for whom they can't get you anything in the big world ladder of power, but they can be, in some ways, the face of Christ. Now again, Jesus would not say you could ever have your family over, although some of you likely that would be a good thing. That's a different story. <laughs> that's, kind of weird. that's awkward. Um, Jesus is saying, when you have meals, um, you ever invite people over, um, not for what you can get out of it, and not to kind of show off, but can you be present with those who have real need? Um, and let that be a blessing to meet them, to, to get to know them by name. Uh, let that be a blessing in and of itself. Um, one of the things that we think about here for Jesus is this. Um, to be a part of this kingdom is to live with a unique kind of kingdom generosity. Um, one of the, uh, some of you know the strengths finders, some of you took those little strengths tests, some of you did that, it's one of the many cults that exist out there, right? Um, uh, I just, one of mine is strategic. And I, I think that's probably true. When I see a problem, I go strategize how to get something. And there are times and places when I, can develop relationships, and I seek out relationships I know that kind of have a benefit to me, whereas some folks, well, for example, when I go to like big conventions, and I see other people that I kind of know, um, am I seeking out those who are kind of above me in the pecking order of life, or do I pay attention to those who are, you know, whom talking to them will benefit, no, won't benefit my career at all? The key is this. How are we called to love all those whom we're with? That's why in the Gospels, over and over again, Jesus says, to love me is to love the orphan, to love the widow, um, to be present to those who are on the margins, and to, in some ways to see the face of Christ and to be the face of Christ to others. To be a disciple, this kingdom is a bit weird and upside down. But here again is the main point. Um, you will not find true hope and joy and value by living in a world trying to elevate yourself up, by either thinking you're better than you are, trying to hang out with those who are better than you are, trying to hope they'll kind of bring you up with them. Um, 
But to truly find joy and happiness is to let kind of the revolutionary meals of the kingdom look like our lives. We hang out with, we are with those who are on the margins, those who are hurting and lost, those in this room perhaps that don't have lots of connections. How do we have eyes to see and ears to hear those in our world? The kingdom is a different thing. You look around, how do you climb the ladders of life? And supposedly that's going to get you happiness, but Christ saying it won't. But on that ladder, it's often, uh, you know, survival of the fittest. But Jesus says, like Mother Teresa, go find joy in life by going to a backwards, out-of-the-way place and just loving those whom everyone else has overlooked. And it could happen right here for us in Mountain Home. One of the things this church does well is finding ways to reach out to those in our community who are on the margins who need help. We don't do it to be noted in the newspaper. We do it because that's where Christ is and that's where we will find life by loving those and serving those and seeing the face of Christ. Let's stand and pray. I'll invite Lord up. Gracious God, we thank you this day for this word about eating. And Lord, thanks that we get to eat. Lord, we thank you that your son invited us into this story as a reminder that sometimes we seek the world's approval to get a kind of happiness and joy that's very, very fleeting. Lord, thank you for this life-giving words, both to be a guest and to be a host. Lord, may even this week you give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear those in our world who could use some of our time. Um, perhaps others might see it as wasted time, how that person can help you in your life, but Lord, May we see in that person your son's face. Lord, may in our living and going, may we not try to find and create pride by our own exaltation. Lord, may we truly find the joy and happiness in life by loving and serving in quiet ways without attention. But let those acts of service be an act of worship to you. We have the privilege of hanging out with those who are on the margins. Lord, help us to find our love and joy in you. And may we find that joy and peace every day in our neighbors' eyes and lives. In Christ's name, amen. Let's sing. Receive a benediction. May you go out to eat well with the love of Christ, with eyes to see and ears to hear those in our world who are hungry and lost and broken, and find yourself meeting with the face of Jesus. Go in God's grace and peace. Amen.